it's like a constant staying on top of things. You're always on your toes. You're never safe. Even at three in the morning, stories will break and, and it's constantly kind of being aware and, and ready for anything to pop at any moment. Welcome to Hot Coffee, Cold Beer. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. On this podcast, we'll sit down and share hot coffee or cold beer with the people inside the sports industry on and off the field who make live sports possible. Today, we sit down with lifelong New Yorker, Sean Riley, who's a part of a powerful two-man operation that created the popular sports page, Pick Six. Some of the lessons from Sean include that no matter what career you pick, work ethic and quality are always in demand. Sean has exceptional range around the industry between working for USA Football, West Virginia University, Bleacher Report, FanDuel, and even a stint with the startup gaming world. For someone stationed in New York City, Sean's experiences have touched the globe, connecting with almost 100,000 people every day on his page. We're excited to share the conversation we had with a one-of-a-kind, Sean Riley. Hey, Sean, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate you making the telecommute out from uh, New York City all the way to LA. Look at how uh, technology is just bringing people together. <laughs> yeah, you know, that long commute for a six-hour flight. <laughs> do you have a hot coffee or cold beer ready to go? I do, and it's such a generic one, but all I had was uh, Bud Light. But, you know, it's Friday. Got to enjoy my time uh, during quarantine. Hey, it's quarantine somewhere, you know. That's the new it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, pretty much. It's 5 o'clock every day, anytime. <laughs> so we wanted to talk to you specifically because most of the people we have on the show are team side. So they sell or they work for one team and report directly to that boss. Our first guest ever is Danny Petrofesso with the Denver Broncos. So when he does something, he has to report directly to the Denver Broncos, one outlet. In your world, you're running a popular sports page. You're basically reporting to 100,000 plus fans who all judge and critique your content. So that reach is so much wider. It's like your bosses are the people, really. So how do you think you grew your page to where it is today? Yeah, I, actually, I get that question a lot. And it's it's really just picking out the most interesting and intriguing content. I think we've done a good job, you know, relaying a message and posting engaging content that's interesting. You know, a lot of stuff that starts debates or makes you think differently about a player or a team. You know, stuff that's more compelling than just your generic run-of-the-mill stats, but also not like ESPN's throwing out there like, you know, J.J. Barea joins LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan to score 10 points, three rebounds, five assists while the moon is blue and the earth's tilted on like a 38-degree angle. (laughs) So, you know, not some crazy out-of-this-world statistic, but stuff that's compelling enough to draw your interest. Why do you think it was that Pick 6 took off? Like, what is it about your page that you think helped you get to almost 100,000 followers? Yeah, it's funny. I, at first, we weren't we weren't going for the content we post now. You know, there was, there was people who did what we do now before us. But I think what made us different was our presentation of, of information and content. We were just so much more professional. And that comes from my background of being a graphic designer and just having an understanding on how to present information. And I think that's why so many people took us more seriously and they were like, whoa, these people make awesome graphics and I should definitely give them a follow. People, you know, people love those who put effort and energy into their content. I think we've always been engaging with people. That's always been a big reason why, like to start debates, almost like you see on TV with, you know, like Undisputed or any of these sports debate shows. So we go back and forth with our followers and uh, we have no problem admitting when we're wrong. And I think that's why a lot of people liked us and, and took a liking to following us. How does the operation go? So like, do you have somebody on graphics, somebody on distribution, someone scheduling the post? Like, how does this all come together? Uh, it's funny. You would think we like at this point, we'd have a much more complicated operation, but it's only two of us constantly on social, you know, digging around for information, stats, any possible breaking news. 
it's kind of whoever's at their computer, they'll get to it. And, and we have a ton of like pre-made templates and, and graphics out there. So like if something happens, either one of us could jump right on it and get that news and that content out there. How much time do you think you spend every day just on some kind of software or doing some kind of graphic design, trying to come up with these posts and trying to get better? Oh, countless. It's it's also tough though, because I do work. So I I work for Bleachport and FanDuel as contracted freelancers. So I'd probably spend four or five hours a day working on that stuff. And then pick six, probably six, seven hours. I mean, it's a full-time job. It used to be a passion project. Now it's like a legitimate job. Well, those are the best careers, right? The ones that happen by accident, by like circumstance and chance, where you could have never planned this out. You could have never said, all right, I'm going to start pick six. By this date, it's going to hit this popularity, and I'm going to be able to ride this out to a career. But in a lot of ways, you're really lucky that you get to do that, because how awesome is it just to run an Instagram page? That's your job. Oh, 100%. I never thought when I made this, it would ever become a potential career. I was just like, post some cool artwork about football. I was like inspired by uh, this page, Posterizes, that did basketball artwork. Yeah, and I, I was so passionate about it. That's how it's just developed into what it is now. And now it's a potential career. I assume one of the most unique challenges of Pick 6 is that of all leagues to follow, you chose the NFL and the NFL is kind of notorious and every team seems to have these insane massive followings and everybody's so passionate about their one team. So how do you manage all those expectations? Like I'm sure you're getting hit up by Bill's Mafia saying, hey, post more Bill stuff or people commenting underneath going like, hey, I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan, post more Colts stuff. Yeah, it's funny. We, we definitely get fans who are requesting us to post about a lot of different things. And it's context behind it. You know, what is most important? Like, what is intriguing enough to talk about? You know, oh, right now things are kind of slow, so we could talk about a lot more than we usually can. But it's kind of just digging through. All right. No one's really talking about this. And this is pretty intriguing. Let's cover this. You know, we don't we don't want to be in the same lane as like Bleach Report or ESPN because our followers probably follow them as well. So it's just kind of digging through what they haven't talked about and what we can cover that is a little bit more intriguing. It's so funny in a world where a lot of us get our news on Twitter, Instagram, these social media platforms. How do you get to the story so quickly? Because it seems like by the time news breaks from a news station or a famous reporter, every single page is posted about it already. There's so many pages out there that a good example is I remember I found out from your page that the 49ers left tackle Joe Staley retired and you, you were the first one that I saw. Five minutes later, it's on every single page. So how do you stay current on that? It feels like a 24-7 job. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, The amount of people we follow on Twitter who are just reporters, like sports reporters, ridiculous. It's got to be over three, 400, probably even more than that. We have, you know, notifications on for every big time reporter, anytime some sort of news breaks. And we're always digging through Reddit, you know, Reddit. There's a lot of like smaller stories that break through the cracks there. It's it's like a constant staying on top of things. You're always on your toes. You're never safe. Even at three in the morning, stories will break. And, and it's constantly kind of being aware and, and ready for anything to pop at any moment. So instead of a 24-7 job, it kind of sounds like a 25-8 job that you have there easily easily yeah and where do you find time in the 258 world to you know put in the work for bleacher report work for FanDuel, for all these other you know subsidiaries this is part of the freelance world so you must have the best time management skills in the world <laughs> i wish i could say i do i mean 
I think I just invest so much time of my day into it. I yeah, I think I could actually probably do even better of a job than, than currently. So a quarterback watches game film. In sales, we study new trainings, we practice them and practice them for years to try and master them and get better. A, a basketball player has physical practice. How does somebody in graphics and design continue to get better? Like, are you just coning in on the same platforms over and over again until you master them? Yeah, you you have to be on top of trends and you have to constantly be learning. Like, it, it's just like any other profession. You know, if you want to be the best, you have to consistently practice your craft. And with graphic design, there's always new features, you know, with software coming out and new techniques and things you have to learn. You, you could know every single tool in Photoshop or After Effects, Illustrator, whatever program, you know, you're an expert in. But you, there's no possible way you could know every use, best practical use for all these tools to, to use them to their best ability. You just have to constantly be on the lookout and learning and, and watching what others are doing so you can improve what you craft and, and what you're trying to become. The freelance world has got to be very freeing, but a little bit nerve wracking, right? Like it's nice that you can basically put yourself in so many different jobs at once. Instead of having one job to do, like we keep referencing in team side of sports, you, you have a couple of different things to do for a couple of different people. So you could work on a project for West Virginia University and USA Football, and then back to your own entrepreneurial endeavor with Pick 6 all in the same day. So is it freeing to be a freelancer, or are you just constantly worried about when the day is gonna come that you know it all comes crashing down? How do, how do you balance all that? It's interesting. I everywhere is a little different i think you, there's things you could take out of each and, and learn from each opportunity you know i like to tell people i'm very well versed i don't think there's a section of sports i haven't really worked in i mean like you mentioned west virginia i've been in the college game uh, i've been in the big sports media game with bleacher report FanDuel's more of the gambling side said my own endeavor with pick six which is similar to that of a bleacher report kind of could take pieces and and your learning experiences in each and and bring them to each situation so i think more people should be more well versed i think it's always nice to have a good mix of, of different experiences and and you can kind of use those to your advantage what are you hoping for out of a career in sports like what's your end goal with pick six and the pages and the podcast i just want to be a content creator and entertain people i I think originally, about a year into Pick 6, we thought we'd go the traditional sporting news route, you know, like ESPN or Bleachport or maybe even like a bar stool. But I think as time has went on, we've kind of evolved. And, and for us, it's just creating content, being interesting and being unique. You know, not trying to squeeze into a field that's already oversaturated. There's already so many news companies out there. They don't, you know, we don't need another one. And just, you know, enjoying uh, engaging with people. I think that's really the route we're headed now and just a different path from that has already been traveled. What's the best advice you think you've ever gotten in your life? Oh man, that's, I've definitely had a few people help me out a lot along the way, whether, you know, it be like specific design advice or just career advice in general. But I, you, you just, I mean, it's so cliche to say, but just being unique and, and being true to yourself. I think that might be the best thing it is. Don't be something you're not, you know, be who, who you are, because ultimately that's what's always going to shine through at the end of the day. I'm really glad that's a universal theme, you know, because it's so true. And yeah, it's a little bit cliche, but 
that's the reason people keep saying it is because of how true it is. Like, you're always going to have yourself. You may not have pick six down the road, and I may not have this job with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Kings down the road, but I'm always going to have me, and you're always going to have the identity of Sean Riley's, you know, whether you're a ticket salesperson or a graphic designer or an actress or an accountant, like you're always going to have yourself. And if you can be authentic in those, those are the people that stand out. No, it's, it's a great point. I, I think that really is like one of the most important things. Like I said, everyone says that it's pretty cliche, but it, it, it couldn't be more true. All right, Sean, this has been really informative and your background is certainly much different than all of our guests thus far and you're very unique in that sense. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to get to something a little bit different. We're going to ask you some quick hitter personal questions, just some things off the cuff. Answer them with your full authentic honesty and first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, But just a couple of questions to get to know Sean Riley a little bit better. First one, being a New Yorker, Jets or Giants? Oh, I'm not a fan of either, but I'd rather root for the Giants than the Jets. How did you end up an Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders fan from all the way out in New York? My dad, he's a big Raiders fan, so I kind of latched onto that. Who is the better New York Met, Matt Harvey or R.A. Dickey? Oh, R.A. Dickey. Oh, yeah, I'm going R.A. I think Matt Harvey just had such a sour ending. Who would win in a fight, Noah Syndergaard or Mr. Met? I got to go with Thor, Noah Syndergaard. Who's on your Mount Rushmore of New York sports? Uh, yeah, Lawrence Taylor is definitely on there. Uh, probably Derek Jeter, even, uh, even though I don't know he's one of the top three Yankees of all time. Uh, Patrick Ewing and probably Mariano Rivera. So you talked about a big goal of yours, just being an entertainer, just entertaining people when they come on your page. So of all the entertainers in the world, of any genre, of any topic, music, film, art, whatever, what have you, who's your favorite entertainer right now? Oh, wow. You know, I've never really thought about that. I think, see, for me, it's always changing, like, who I'm constantly entertained by. You know, I might, there's, like, so many different people that I'll listen to or watch. Um, you know, like, there's, like, YouTubers. Like, uh, I used to watch a lot of this guy, Casey Neistat. He was pretty entertaining. Now, kind of like the CEO of Barstool, Dave Portnoy, he's, like, really entertaining. Uh, but then you got, like, comedians like Kevin Hart. He's, I don't know that I have one always. I'm constantly looking at many different people. As a true and through New Yorker, what is one borough you love and one borough you hate? I love Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's really nice. I mean, it's very trendy right now as it is, but, I, like, that area is just very they've, they've really done a nice job of redoing it and uh i think the bronx can kind of be overrated to be honest i'm not a not a big fan of the bronx well it sounds like if you're not a yankees fan like why would you ever go to the bronx you specifically literally garbage <laughs> how many times a week do you think you listen to jay-z's empire state of mind per no, day? I, i'm not no i don't i don't listen to it <laughs> so i know you're pretty busy between your million jobs and you're not a big tv guy but what is your netflix guilty pleasure it's funny i haven't watched netflix in a while like it used to be friends but i don't even think friends is on netflix anymore i it's been a while since i've watched netflix that is such an L.A. kid pretending to be a New Yorker answer, like watching Friends on Netflix so that they can feel like they're from where you're from. It is. It's so sad, but I was never. Oh, actually, I watched Prison Break a lot when that was on Netflix. I love that show. All right. So this is going to be a little bit weird, but I feel like you can appreciate this a tiny bit. So I have this uh, weird sports background where in you know in baseball and football, I have two teams each that I'm just dire passionate about in baseball. It's Yankees and Mets. So I'm a diehard Yankees fan first. It's the first team I ever fell in love with. And then that carried over to all things New York. And I've actually kept the Mets ever since, since I was about eight years old. So 
diehard fan of both, which I know is weird. But for us both being Mets fans here, let's let's play a game of hypothetical. Pretend our Mets win the World Series. I know, something I think would not happen in my lifetime. What's the very first thing you do in the final pitch, final out, Mets win? I, I mean, I'm pop a, popping a bottle of champagne and, and, and drinking and partying. Uh, I mean, I... I would. It would be like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Like there'd be riots. I, 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 I. That if there's one team I ever wanted to see win out of all the teams I root for, the Mets is like the number one team. That would be a dream come true. I have this sixty year rule in sports, right? Like if you live your whole life as a fan of one team and you give that team sixty years, okay, of your fanhood, and they win once, just once, ever, like that's a good. That's a good life in fan fanhood totally totally agree with you i'm the same way like i saw my celtics win the championship they never win again i don't really care i saw them win once just give me one new york please the mets just give us one <laughs> like that's a good life in fanhood you'll take that if you just give me one i'll give you 60 years of my life you just give me one the mets i feel like i'm worried that that's ever gonna happen i'm lucky i only have one new york team to torture me although the raiders torture me uh, on a yearly basis as well so i grew up my dad is a Mets and Raiders fan. He, he was a Raiders fan because he loved Bo Jackson back in the day. So he, he became a big Raiders fan, and I just kind of followed the path that. He didn't have a basketball team. I also grew up really close to my cousin, and he was a, a Paul Pierce fan and a, and a Celtics fan. And I started watching a lot of their games. I was like, you know what? Uh, if I'm going to get into basketball, I might as well root, well root for the same team my cousin roots for. It's so funny, right? Like the most minor things that you pick up on when you're a kid that end up having these lifelong like cosmic significances, right? Like the littlest thing ends up leading to your fanhood. Uh, like my story about being an Eagles fan is even though my dad's a diehard Broncos fan, my like young football journey while I'm getting to know the sport, the Eagles are on Fox every single week. And so two things were happening. One, the Eagles were just dominating the division. So they were on TV every week. And the other team on TV was the New York Giants. And I loved this really random player, the safety named Jason Seahorn. What happened was, so my first year in football, I follow all that. The next year, Jason Seahorn gets cut. And I was so mad at the Giants. Then it turned out, as I learned, the Eagles and Giants are rivals. So it just gave me fuel to the fire to really hate the Giants. And then I took off, and I've, I've been an Eagle fan ever since. But, right, the, the most random thing that the Giants cut a very average to below average safety was enough to set me off and, and spark me into this Eagles fanhood. That's amazing. That's one of my favorite stories I've actually heard of someone, like, how they've got their affiliation. That's pretty funny. All right, Sean, the last one we have here for you, we've asked a lot of questions about New York. As far as your life specifically, can you walk us through some New York stereotypes that you think are not true or maybe ones that you don't follow in your life? Don't follow the, the wearing the Tims. That, that is something that is true to New York. There are a lot of people who rock the Tims. Um, I'm not rude. Like I know New Yorkers have like a perception of being extremely rude. There definitely are because people are impatient and they just want to get done with that to be done. Not, I don't go and see a ton of Broadway shows. <laughs> I know a lot of people do that. Yeah, I don't, and I'm not a terrible driver in my opinion. And I know most New Yorkers are bad drivers. So probably helps I don't drive a yellow taxi. <laughs> After our show, if you visit thepick6.com, you can find helpful links to Sean's Bad Design podcast, where he breaks down the basics of getting into sports themed graphic design and to the Fantasy Football Degenerates podcast run by Sean and his business partner, Jimmy. That's on the Pick 6. 
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com. And if you've enjoyed the show so far, if you would be so kind to leave us a like or review on whichever platform you're using, hope you've enjoyed the show so far. We've enjoyed making it for you. And we'll see you next Monday on Hot Coffee, Cold Beer. Today's episode of Hot Coffee, Cold Beer is independently produced by Brock L. Hendricks. The content you heard today does not reflect the opinion or views of AEG, Staples Center, the Los Angeles Lakers, Clippers, Kings, or Sparks, or any of its affiliates, subsidiaries, and partners.